Welcome to Greater Finance Daily, where we bring you the latest highlights from the ongoing crypto and fintech revolution. I was almost saying the fintech and crypto regulation, but it's the (laughs) revolution. And uh, I am Gustav, and who are you, my friend? I'm Alex, one of the co-hosts. Yes, we are your hosts. And today is Thursday, the 23rd of September. And we're going to take a look at the market to begin with. Have you had a look yet, Alex? Yes, I do have. It seems like we are a bit more bullish than yesterday, or the price is at least up. I won't comment if it's more bullish or not. One Bitcoin for around 44,000 US dollars and an Ethereum for $3,100. And our one of our coins that we talk about a lot in this podcast, Solana, recently is trading around $150. So a bit more bullish price action in the last 24 hours comparing with the last few days, ever since the Evergrande revelation, basically. We've had negative price action, but finally some green day. Exactly. And uh, yeah, I just noticed that it's a new uh, exchange-traded product for Solana. Uh, which I means that we in Sweden can buy it on our investment accounts, which means that it is almost zero tax. So that's good. I just found that out. I might All be right. buying. Interesting. Don't own any Solana yet, but maybe, maybe in the future. Uh, is there anything else we can say about the market? As you said, it's looking more green right now. Uh, of course, after a couple of days of uh, alarming red. Uh, numbers Um, but I think it's time to just jump into our hot topics and uh, they are the following 10% of early startups or early stage startups working on blockchain then we move on to Dapper Labs reaching even higher highs with the latest funding institutions are tempted to join DeFi but hurdle remains and then we take a look at what JP Morgan is doing with Thought Machine and some words from the ongoing fintech festival or conference Money 2020 in Amsterdam. All right. Um, the first topic then 10% of early stage startups working on blockchain. Uh, according to a global startup ecosystem report that was published yesterday. Blockchain-based business account for 10% of all startups worldwide. Alex, is this a surprise to you or um, have you any thoughts on this? You know, I think uh, both you and me, we are not surprised at all. Uh, The trend has been coming ever since uh, at least last year when you saw the institutional investors starting to invest a huge amount of of their treasury into Bitcoin. And now... uh, People are seeing the opportunity here as, here as well as uh, cryptocurrencies are get, gaining legitimacy in the world. So this comes as no shock at all for me. How about you, Gustav? Yeah, I mean, I agree. And according to the report, blockchain-based or blockchain is the second fastest growing subsector in terms of early stage funding. And uh, Silicon Valley still remains a leading source of blockchain funding with investors like Andreessen Horowitz uh, regularly among the pool of backers for decentralized ledger technology startups. And uh, 
according to Cointelegraph Consulting Report, uh, that VC firms had invested over $16 billion in blockchain equities since 2012. So that's a lot of money. And uh, in Q1 this year, just Q1 this year, there were investments from VC firms of uh, 2.6 billion in crypto. So it's a lot of money since 2012 and still increasing a lot, according to the report. So that's uh, really, really crazy. And, you know, I heard from some friends working at some of the more, the bigger uh, VC firms, and they said that they have never seen so many talents leaving their industry to start a business in another industry. And almost all of them start in a blockchain or crypto business. So that's interesting. Definitely. Seems like it's, it's something to, to think about when you see red numbers. You should try to focus on the other more fundamental uh, things and developments that are actually looking very, very good for the industry. 100%. Anyway, should we move on? Let's move on. Dapper Labs reaching higher highs with the latest funding of $250 million. Have you had a look at this, Alex? Yeah, another another um, funding round for Dapper Labs. $7.6 billion. It's quite a high valuation for a company that is doing something totally new. Or it's like this tech companies, they usually gain increased valuations, I guess, uh, so what they are basically doing is, we, we were actually talking about them the other day. They are quite hot on this NFT market. So yeah, yeah I, I think in general, the, the NFT hype is still ongoing. And, and if you're doing such things, raising money isn't that hard, especially if you have a working product as Dapper Labs uh, is having. So I think lots of exploration is going on in this world. And uh, I'm happy to see that... Uh, that the NFTs, like trading NFT cards or, or whatever you're able to do with NFTs, they are gaining some momentum here because you see they are partnering up with La Liga, they are partnering up with different kind of football leagues and I'm a big football fan so it's going to be, be really cool for me also to try out these kind of new products that we've never seen before. Yeah, exactly. And uh, yeah, it just sums up to the crazy fundings of these kind of projects. I think it's almost $1 billion just this week in funding for this kind of um, blockchain crypto startups that focus on NFT platforms and so on. Anyway, we need to jump to our next topic. Institutions are tempted to join DeFi, but hurdles remains. And uh, this is a growing trend where institutions no longer can find any kind of yield in their traditional environment where we have so low interest rates and even negative interest rates that it's simply not possible to get any yield. So what institutions also do, as we other retail investors are doing, we are trying to look for where can we earn yield. And then they see DeFi and they think, how the hell is it possible to get that much yield? And then they start a research team and they start 
focus on DeFi and then they find out that they would like to invest in it and would like to earn the yield that we can do there. But there are still hurdles and that is in the form of custodianship, anti-money laundering regulations, know your customer regulations, uh, latency, gas fees and more. And all of these makes it very hard for an institution to go into crypto and DeFi. Um, you have any takes on this, Alex? I think the key here is uh, twofold, basically. First and foremost, uh, money these days is super cheap, right? You want to, to borrow money and invest it somewhere. And as you're talking about there, uh, super low interest rates. And if you just place them in an interest-bearing account in the traditional finance world, you, you, the inflation will eat you up. No matter if we're talking about even the CPI these days will eat it up. But one more important thing is maybe the asset inflation we see these days is just like, yeah, mind-blowing. So when you see interest rates that is actually beating the, the real inflation, uh, it's, uh, of course, very lucrative to start to look into that industry. And I think that's why we see so big interest from institutions in DeFi protocols these days. Mm, yeah, I totally agree. And uh, we'll see. I mean, the industry just have to enable for more uh, compliance and, and, and put in the work in know your customer, anti-money laundering, etc., etc. But I don't think that that is really the problem. Maybe the uncertainties in regulations are. But I have experience from working with uh, a lot of this anti-money laundering, know your customer, and I know how much work it is. I know how how easily it start, stops up your focus on customer um, needs. So instead of focusing on building the best product for your customer, all of a sudden you are trapped into focusing on this huge text wall of text with explanations that are very vague on what to do with the regulation and so on. So it's a really innovation killer, I would say, in many uh, ways. So I do understand why many crypto startups just want to run and 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 build as much as possible and then say, oh, oh, sorry, we didn't think about the regulation. We, we will fix it later. Okay, okay. Anyway, uh, we need to jump on to the next topic. JP Morgan Chase to replace US Retail Core with Thought Machine's Vault. And uh, JP Morgan, of course, one of the world's biggest banks, and they are now said to replace their core banking uh, solution in the US for retail investors with Thought Machine. And Thought Machine is a new, or they, I think it was started like 2015, 16, by a couple of guys from Google who left Google to start a core banking solution in the cloud. And now many hot... Um, fintechs and banks around the world are exploring this new core banking solution. And among others, their clients are Mox, Standard Chartered, Greenfield's uh, Virtual, or Standard Chartered's Greenfield Virtual Bank in Hong Kong, SEB here in Sweden, which you and me are very familiar with, and UK's Lloyds Banking Group and Atom Bank. So there's a lot of different customers and uh, this new solution is said to be much more flexible and uh, it makes it easier for banks to innovate and, and so on. So 
I think it's a huge thing that uh, such a big bank is adopting this in the US. Hundred percent. I think um, being able to to build out a cl cloud native core system for them is key. Uh, however, we should remember, as they mentioned here, that it, it is constrained by the le legacy technology itself. So they still have the the old infrastructure. They basically build on top of that. Uh, while we have, if we compare, for example, with crypto banks or, or cryptocurrencies in general, that are they are building on totally new rails, basically. And here uh, in the TradFi world, we were having already the infrastructure built ever, ever since the 70s or 80s. I don't even know when they started to build it. But... Yeah, I mean, when I was talking with the, when I was working as a consultant at, at a couple of different banks, I remember one um, um, head of business development, he said that, okay, we're, we're changing core bank. And that is basically like you have a, a flying Boeing 737. Uh, at max or not at, at full speed up in the air and now you're going to try to change the engine on it and and that's what he uh, said it is like when you try to change a core banking solution at a big bank <laughs> not easy not easy anyway we will follow this and see i think uh, thought machine have a bright future uh Last topic out is Payments Giant Nexi says it's working on a digital euro with the European Central Bank. And this was said during a um what do you say a talk on the festival or the conference Money 2020, which is held uh, again this year in Amsterdam and now in physical form. It's been online for I think two years. So, yeah. What do we think about this, Alex? Uh, such a huge player is is confirming that they are working with the with the European Central Bank on the uh, definitely interesting. Europe. We see these design phases all over the world these days. Uh, no one is really live yet. You can argue that China is partly live, and um, yeah, I think key here is to understand that they are still in the designing phase and and that. Crypto, but especially now central bank digital currencies, they are extremely hot and it will be so interesting to see how it works out. I mean, you, you talk about countries like yesterday's news, for example, where, where Turkey was extremely hostile against cryptocurrencies, but they are pushing the CBDC narrative. Even they are doing this. So now the Eurozone is coming with uh, CBDC having a big, um, big uh, experienced player helping them out with this. So. I think in general, uh, it's pretty clear that central bank digital currencies, they are here to stay, at least when it comes to, to the design phase and, and piloting, etc. Uh, it's going to be interesting to follow and see if, if it really gets foothold in this world. Yeah, and, and um, reading some quotes on what he said there is that he, he commented the crypto as a, a very early um, but clear asset class and that they fluctuate up and down and we have heard this so many times from industry people and that that can't be working as a payment uh, method at scale um, and you need the certainty of the value you are exchanging and today those types of cryptocurrencies have basically zero impact in payments he commented adding and he thinks that cbdc's and stable coins are designed to avoid volatility and uh, seen in other cryptocurrencies and that they will play a much larger role. And I tried to 
look a bit on Twitter and LinkedIn and so on, what people are at, that are at the Money 2020 conference, what they are saying. And what I've seen is that many say that there are a lot of uh, interest in crypto there these days and uh, that there are many uh, players there from the crypto industry. And I was at this conference two, two or three years ago and I, I remember that I counted that 10 or 15% of all the players there, they were from the crypto industry. So it's uh, still a very hot topic at one of the world's biggest fintech conferences. So that's interesting too. And a key takeaway from my side, at least. Definitely. If I can, can just comment there, one very interesting thing. I read an opinion piece from Coindesk.com on central bank digital currencies and how are central banks going to handle the governance? There is one thing we don't think about. Who, where, who are they going to let, what are they going to let people buy? Because you... If you think about it, it's actually the central bank who will be responsible for that. So if you go out to the store and you want to buy a, a newspaper, maybe in Sweden they say yes, maybe in Turkey they, they say no. I mean, no one knows basically. So they have a governance aspect coming into this as well that we haven't thought about really. It's more like talking about the technical aspect. Is it working? What is it going to do? So I think um, start talking about the governance aspect as well. What kind of payments are allowed? You know, there are new laws that has to be be put up there as well. I agree. We'll have to throw in a deep dive on that. I think it's a huge topic. Anyway, we are running out of time. I have one tip of the day, and that is to check out the, the crypto research tools, Messery and Glassnode. Um, for the ones that are interested in data and analytics and crypto, these are great tools to uh, start your your data journey in crypto. Um, but Alex, we say goodbye to everyone and yeah. talk more to you tomorrow, right? Yeah, a quick reminder here or like something, a warning basically, Bitcoin.org appears to be hacked by a giveaway scam. So anyone who is surfing the internet today, um, don't ha head to Bitcoin.org because it seems like they are promising people with a pop-up message uh, that they can send money to a Bitcoin wallet. This classic thing, you, they, they say to you to send money to the wallet and they, they say they will send double the amount back. So if you send one Bitcoin, they will send you two Bitcoin. But of course, this is a fraud. So pay attention to Bitcoin.org scam. Exactly. And uh, yeah, have a great day, Alex, and see you all tomorrow. Same to you, Gustav. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.